Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Today, uh, we have in the studio Derek Morton of Flow Play Games. Derek, please, uh, I'm pleased to have you here. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So t- tell us, though, for people who don't know about your company, and t- tell us about what you've been working on for the last 10 years, I guess. Yeah. So uh, back in 2006, my partner and I, Doug Pearson, uh, were kicking around some ideas what to do for a uh, next venture together. Uh, we'd been working together for three years at Real Networks, and uh, my earnout was coming up. So uh, we were looking for something, uh, some ideas. And so we met every day on Wednesday nights for a year. And uh, came up with this concept to do uh, very casual virtual worlds. We, we saw a lot what was going on with Second Life and things like that, but we felt like those products were probably too techy and not really right for a mass market. So we came up with a way to, to actually build a virtual world in a browser and make it a place where you could come, have an avatar, run around, meet other people, hang out with them, and play games at the same time with them and, and just have fun. Uh, so we we launched that in uh, January 2007. So we just had our 10th anniversary a couple months ago. Wow! Well, congratulations. So, uh, so you're part of the real the real networks kind of alumni group in town. Yeah, a lot of companies have sprung out of the the employees of Real Networks. Yeah, it's a great it's a great group. Do you do you guys have uh, meetups together? Like. There are. There's a, there's actually a Facebook group for Real Networks alumni, and I think about every every quarter or so, there's a there's a get together for happy hour for people okay. to show up, and you know, generally, uh, I think you know, fifty sixty people show wow, up and, and get together. It's pretty kind of fun to hear about. But let's go back to the, this ide- ideation phase. So you were yeah. trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. So you guys did weekly kind of brainstorming session. How long did it, like how long did it take to really get to the final I mean, did you just kind of out of the box know what you're going to do and then just sort of refine it or did you really bounce around in a dramatic way during the early meetings? The early meetings were all over the map. I mean, we had no concept of what we were do. Obviously, we were both working in games, and that, that was something we wanted to stay in. Uh, Doug has a PhD in artificial intelligence, so he was going to be the tech guy. Uh, I have a background, and I have a film degree from USC and an MBA from UCLA, so I was going to be the creative and business guy. Right. And that's turned out to be a really great, good fit. Doug handles everything that's technology, and I have every, everything that's that's creative and business. Wow. Well, that, so, I mean, I... I mean, we we met when you were just a handful of people, I think. Right. We, we were out fundraising. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, it was that. Gosh, I remember. I remember. Um, I remember very distinctly, even though it was, I think, probably even eight or nine or maybe ten years ago. And I remember very distinctly you describing to me kind of how your thing was different from like what was existing and out there in the marketplace. And so that. Do you feel like that's still the truth today, or how do you? It is for some reason nobody's taken this on. Uh, we we've got the market to ourselves, and nobody's really uh, decided to make the the technology investment, the financial investment. Uh, it's hard to do. It's it's really hard to build a a massive multiplayer architecture. And most of the guys that are capable of doing it are looking at like you know hardcore games. Want to build a first person shooter and 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 build these like big games. And for us, uh, it's always been more about like the the very mass market casual gamer. So our first game was Our World for teenage girls. Second game is Vegas World for much older girls. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've had people get married in your games, haven't you? Oh, over 60,000 people have gotten married in the wedding chapel. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. Time out. Stop. No, those are characters just getting married within yes, the game. Yes. But you've also had like real life. Yeah, yeah. 
Not sixty thousand, though. Not sixty thousand. We, 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 our best guess is that it's somewhere between a hundred and two hundred people have gotten married as a result of meeting in the game, falling in love, getting married in the wedding chapel in the game, and then you know meeting in real life and deciding to get married in huh. real life. This is crazy. Okay, so let's. So again, for the, let's just take a, back, a step back. So for people who are listening, describe the and who haven't who don't, haven't heard of Flip like describe mm-hmm. the game to us. Uh, so there's two games. There's Our World and Vegas World. There, uh, you can most easily find them at ourworld.com or vegasworld.com. And um, you know, you basically come in and you create a character, and you decide, you know, what your skin color should be, how you want to dress. Do you want to be uh, conservative? Do you want to be a punk rocker? You know, what what kind of look and feel you want to have? Uh, and then you just go in and you and you play games. I mean, that's that's what draws people in in the first place is the games to play. So you probably see one of our ads somewhere that say, "Hey, come play slots, come play poker, come play blackjack." Yeah. How, is the poker, how does that? Has the poker like competitive poker? No, everything's super casual. So. Okay. Everything's for for free. There's no money involved. You can't actually win any real money, but it feels like you're in in a, in a casino somewhere playing playing gambling games. Uh, so you're at a poker table with somebody. Uh, you're buying drinks, and that's how we make most of our money. Is people buy drinks for one another, and the drinks change the odds of the game. Uh, so if you're playing blackjack, I buy a beer for the table. Temporarily, the odds of blackjack will go up for everyone, um, and then that beer sort of goes away over time. Somebody else has to buy another beer. Wow, crazy. Okay, so how long has Vegas World been kicking around? Uh, August 2012. Okay. Yeah. So, so your first your first like five years of the business or thereabouts, you were focused on the first game. Yeah, so our world's still around. It's uh, launched in 2008, still makes millions of dollars, still has a half million monthly active users playing the game, and we don't do any customer acquisition. We don't. We just runs. Just runs. Do you? Um, well, there must be like maintenance and other things and improvements. Uh, yeah, and- yeah. Sure. We're, we we launch a new set of clothes for the kids. So the, the the girls in the game are it's mostly girls are very excited about clothing and dressing up. And uh, you know, we have a collectible kind of component where people collect the items that they buy in the game. Uh, but so we do launch new new outfits and new collectibles every month. Gotcha. So the uh, so 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 you and your co-founder knew you wanted to do something in games, and so you. Brainstormed every week, every week, like on a weekly basis for an entire year before you got to a point where, did, like, did you know then that, that you were going to do our world at that end of that first year? Yeah. So we we felt like in our exploration and research that really teenage girls were the were the best target market just because. There wasn't a lot out there for them. Nobody, not that many people were making games for girls. When people were making games, they were mostly guys making games, and guys mostly mostly make games for other guys. Right. Uh, so we really felt like that was the the place to be, especially when you when you look at, you know, a game where there's an avatar, um, a game where part of the, the the revenue model is around selling people clothing. Uh, it just was a natural thing to get to uh, to build a girl a game for girls. Well, so it's, it seems like. Um so you mentioned two things there, and I'm focused on this ideation thing because a lot of founders sure. do this, right? And a lot of founders, I think, might appreciate hearing stories about, uh, you know, experiencing what well, right? Sure. <laughs> and you're still, I mean, you've, that, you've been doing this for 10 years, yeah, yeah. you're profitable. I mean, this is a, a cool, fun thing. So I want to, so you said exploration research. What, what, what kind of exploration research did you do? Yeah, for us at the time, um, the best source of what's going to happen in the U.S. was looking at Korea and China. Okay. Uh, so Korea, South Korea, and, and China are really advanced when it comes to the games they play. Right. Uh, South Korea in particular ha- has always ha- been way ahead of everyone when it comes to internet bandwidth. 
the the phones they've had. I mean, they had smartphones years before there were smartphones in the U.S. Right. So that was that was mostly what we were doing is looking at those advanced markets to sort of say, well, what what's happening in Korea and China right now is probably what's coming to the U.S. in in two years, three years down the road. Right. So do you still think that's true? Um, you know, we've caught up in a lot of ways, but uh, it, it's still true. I mean, if you look at things, um, you know, some of the games like League of Legends and other massive games that are huge in e-games and things these days, you know, those games are, are played by, you know, millions of players in, in South Korea and, right. and in China. Right. Yeah, they, we had uh, what we had with the, uh, you know, Valve had their, they sponsored the, uh, was it the Doha? Uh, oh, sure. At the, the competition. Competition. That was kind of interesting mm-hmm. to walk, walk through the area and see that. Yeah, esports is exploding. There's millions of dollars in prize money. Uh, it's, 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 it's a big deal. It would, I mean, who would have predicted Twitch? I mean, think about it. <laughs> uh, from a valuation standpoint, I don't think many people would have predicted a billion dollars. But I guess no. but here's, the, here's the strange thing about that. It's like we can always look back on something and go, oh, well, yeah, it seems obvious now. Like, oh, of course you want to watch. I mean, when you sit in your basement watching your friends play games, that's fun. So yeah. why, why would you go on the Internet and watch people play games? And I, I guess it could have been, uh, you know, intuitive looking at just YouTube. I mean, so much of the YouTube usage was people watching other people play games, especially when it comes to things like Minecraft. I mean, um, there are kids that, that that watch as many videos of kids playing Minecraft as they play Minecraft themselves. You know, right. Amazing. Yeah. So what, so you've got, you got these two cool games. Are you working okay. on a third game? Uh, we are. So uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we started building some sports games. You know, we're, we, we've got this virtual casino, so we thought, hey, you know, casinos have a sports book. Let's see if there's any sports fans. So we built a sport book uh, where you can bet virtual currency on NFL football, NBA, uh, baseball, NCAA, basketball, and, and, and football. And it just uh, it really took off. Uh, so today, and we built four other sports games after that. And we, so we have five total sports games now. And now it's over half the activity in our Vegas World game. Uh, so what that told us was that um, there's a, a potential market there, that uh, sports could be a big deal. Our game is played primarily by women. So we felt like, hey, if we take these sports games and we make a male, a more male-oriented game, a little more testosterone-driven, uh, that that can be a breakout product that, that's not part of Vegas World that's, that can stand on its own. So we, we bought the domain sportsworld.com uh, and trademarked uh, sportsworld. Uh, so that's our, our next big project. We hope to have it out by the end of the year. Wow, big stuff. So <clears throat> when you do, so you've got like, so you've got the our world, and it sounds like, uh, I mean, it sounds like that requires some resources within the company, but not, you probably don't have more than half your staff on that. You've got like a three people. Yeah, just mm-hmm. keep the thing going. And then how many, how, how big is it to create this new thing? How, how much, how much is that resource gonna? Well, there's 58 people breaking down by about, uh, you know, 20 or so engineers, 20 or so artists, and then 18 people that are customer service, marketing, accounting, and, and uh, general uh, workers in the company. Um, we're super flexible, so we're always moving from one thing to another. But when uh, when we get done up on the project that we're currently on, which is to get us off of Flash and onto HTML5, uh, probably three fourths of the resources of the company will be working on the sports wow, product. Okay. Wow! You know? And so this is—I mean, would this be sort of your first male-oriented game? It will be. Oh, I, actually, I take that back. No, we did try a game called Downworld. No, <laughs> Downworld. No, notice, notice the pattern. World, world, world. Um, <laughs> like Vegas World, but. Yes. 
which was an offshoot of our world, but okay. for for guys. Yeah. And for whatever reason, we couldn't make it work. So oh. it, it lasted for about eighteen months okay. before before we took it down. We got um, you know a lot of a lot of players, but we never could figure out the monetization uh, and, and get it to actually make money. People played it like crazy, but they didn't spend any money there. So where do you find your um, where do you find your artists? Like where what's your do you sh- like where do you hunt for your talent? Um, artists are probably a little easier than engineers because you can you can train them pretty quickly if if they're if they have artistic talent then within you know 3 or 4 months or so we can train them on on the tools we use and how to make great avatar clothing and how to design great backgrounds for us uh so th- th- that's a that's pretty simple we take a lot of kids right out of design school uh, and which train them up. Which design school? Uh, the, the, the Seattle okay. School of Art here. Okay. Um, over on Elliott. What about the, uh, the university on the east side that trains people in the uh, Dig- DigiPins, I think that we probably have two DigiPin grads. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, engineering is a different different matter. Engineering's uh, you know pretty tough. Uh, we, we actually be- be- are lucky because of the nature of the company. Uh, a lot of engineers want to make games if they if they have a choice between us and, and going to do something that's that's not games. They'll they'll pick games. Right. Uh, and then the whole culture of the company is pretty well known. Uh, so a lot of our engineers come from friends of friends just because they've heard so many great things about the company. Right. Right. So it's 2016. You've been operating this business 10 years. <laughs> And you, you sound as enthusiastic about it as when we first talked about it 10 years ago. No plans to market the company for sale. Just going to keep building great games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a funny thing. Somebody asked us about this the other day uh, in an interview. And, and I guess both Doug and I, our answer was, you know, we, we love our job. We love coming to work every day. The, the people we get to work with are fantastic. Uh, it's it's a great place, and I, I don't know if I, if, we, if we sold that to somebody and we'd be putting it in somebody else's hands. Not that I would turn down a great offer, but you know, uh, no great offers come forward from a from a party that we felt like would be a a, a good um, you know overseer of, of of our product and our team and, and what we do. Yeah, it's such a weird thing because um, I mean, I've certainly I've been in situations where uh, a, a great a great company had a great management team in place and they were just clicking along and the, just the really just doing super well. And then, and then the owners just got tired and they just wanted to, they needed to exit their position. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the management team gets broken up and the, you know, the company gets folded into another company. And then you just look back and you think, well, that was really a bummer. The yeah. capital got tired. The, the, <laughs> and, no, lose the magic. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. We build, we have, we have these, Really conflicting um, goals mm-hmm. when we build companies, right? Founders want to build them for the joy of building something awesome, right. and investors just want to make money. And so it's hard, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got uh, I've got you know many angel investors. That was our, our first source of funding. Uh, so I probably have like, gosh, over twenty angel investors yeah. on my cap table. Yeah, and of course. They'd love to, you know, see a return on their investment. Luckily for them, you know, according to our, if you look at our, our 49A, uh, you know, they've got a, a multiple of their investment in terms of the valuation of the company. It's yeah. just there's no liquidity today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird kind of, um, I don't know, I guess this is what you get in a, in a capitalist society. You get, I mean, corporations are genius at bringing people together mm-hmm. to do something. But the folks who come together don't necessarily have the same long-term thoughts or thinking and i don't know it's just it's just kind of a it's a little bit of a quandary 
Yeah, I've been, been super lucky with my partner, Doug. My partner, Doug, and I have never, uh, we've been working together over 13 years now, never said a crossword to one another, never had an argument, uh, have always gotten along really, really well. And that's a, that's a, that's a pretty hard thing and pretty special thing to, to, you know, be part of and to, to put together. So super lucky from that perspective. Yeah. 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 So do you, uh, <laughs> you do some mentoring around town? I do. So, uh, gosh, just yesterday, uh, I'm an advisor to probably three or four companies, uh, only a couple formally, but, you know, a lot of people just stop by and, 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 and say hello. I, I lecture at uh, the Founder Institute. Um, I was a lecturer at Startup Next. Um, you know, I'm kind of well-known, I mean, especially when it comes to game companies, guys that want to get into games come by and, and, and pick my brain for, you know, what to do to start a new company. That's pretty nice. So you're generally pretty accessible. You'd, you'd say on the podcast today that you're generally pretty accessible. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 and I love doing it. I mean, yeah. you know, hanging out with, with somebody that's just got an idea and trying to help them sort of like, hey, come up with a, you know, the market fit and how to monetize it and all these, all these challenges that every entrepreneur deals with is, is really fun. It's, 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 it's a really great exercise to go through. Well, it must feel like when you figure out, like when you figured out the, the idea of charging people for drinks, okay? Like right. how did that, like how did that, who dreamt of that? Uh, that was actually kind of my idea. So uh, um, what I came to the team was with like, okay, we're going to build this casino. But what drives me crazy about as a casino is that I walk out of there, I've lost $100, and I feel like a loser. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we make a product that doesn't make people feel that yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. We, have, we have lots of competition in this space, but every other competitor, their model is uh, give us some money, buy some coins, put the coins in the machine until they're all gone, and then come buy some more coins from us. <laughs> And for me, that was just like this this depressing kind of experience. Like, right. okay, I'm broke. Now I've got to go buy some more coins from you. Like, right. you know, how, how positive is that? So we we came up with a way, and with me working with the team, to, to kind of turn it on its head to say, okay, we're, if you if you pay money, you'll win. And that makes you feel like a winner. So the, the experience is much more positive than if you just went into a casino and, and walk out with less money. You, the, the, you're, you're still paying, but right. you pay to see your balance increase versus pay to replace what everything you lost. Are you surprised? I mean, are you surprised to, to I mean, just about the intensity with which people get involved in these virtual worlds? Does mm -hmm. it surprise you or no? Um, well, I guess I'm a little jaded now after after 10 years of this, but yeah, the the intensity is is pretty remarkable. Uh, but we, you know, a year in, we realized that, that like what we were in for, yeah. that, that that people take this stuff really, really seriously. Yeah. And we've we've run into all kinds of crazy situations where uh, there were uh, a guy and girl that were a very famous couple in our world that were dating for a year, and then they decided to meet in in person. And one of the one of the the guy in the relationship had to admit that she was actually a girl, mm. and not only was this awkward for both of them to sort of like realize that you know they were both girls, uh, but this the the other girl who'd been in love with this guy for a year was was just devastated, right. just devastated. So there's all kinds of just strange things that are you know you never know who you never don't <laughs> nobody knows you're a dog on the internet, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I don't know. I just like. So, what do you think about VR and AR? How is that? Are you, like, is this something that's going to be interesting to you? Or, um, I think 
AR will be interesting for us. We're pretty well poised to take advantage of it once there's a big installed base. We're actually working on a small project with an AR uh, company right now. Uh, it's just that there's not enough hardware out there to make it interesting yet. Uh, but because we've been managing virtual worlds for 10 years now, we really know a lot about, you know, human interaction, what people pay for, how, how people engage with these kind of products. So I think we're, we're poised to be there when, the, when, it, when it's the right time. We just think it's a little early. So when you're trying to make your world more interesting, right, which mm-hmm. I presume is kind of what you're trying to do all the mm-hmm. time, do you run little experiments? Um, we, we do experiments all the time, but what really is the, 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 the case is that the players are, know much more than we do. Okay. So the players uh, on their own will create situations and things in the game, which we look at and say, oh, that's what you're having fun doing? Okay, we'll make, we'll make a feature around that. Uh, right. Case in point, um, so we have these drinks that you buy. Uh, so the players figured out that, that you know, you can, if I buy a drink uh, that costs me 50 cents and I'm in a room with six people, six people get that drink for 50 cents. If I can invite people over, everybody has a suite. Well, it's like a, it's like a hotel room in the game. Uh, if I invite 25 people over to my suite and I buy a drink, now 25 people get that drink. And if we all agree to buy a drink from another, we get 25 drinks to go now go gamble with and, and win the game. So they, for, <laughs> them, for them, it was like this, this secret kind of technique to, oh. to maximize their, their luck in the game by banding together to have a party, buy, all agree to buy drinks for one another. So they did this process where <clears throat> 25 people would come to the room and say, okay, Bill, buy a beer. Joe, buy a beer. Sally, buy a beer. And they would just go around Robin around the room and everybody would buy a beer. And they're like, okay, yay, we did it. We all bought, we all bought, bought drinks for each other. And we were like fascinated by that. Okay. So we built a whole system to do it. So we built a party system where you don't have to call names anymore. Just come to this room. There's a party there. And when people, when 25 people get to the room, automatically everybody pays their money and they all get a drink and they, they all thought it was fantastic. And they're the ones that, that came up with it. (laughs) So what, I mean, so looking forward, like, I mean, sort of the industry in general, I mean, how do you, how do you think, I mean, games are, I mean, it strikes me that they're really, um, I mean, we see trends Mm -hmm. coming pretty fast, right? I mean, we saw, uh, we saw like there was a casual gaming trend, it feels like it kind of went away. I mean, you know the gaming industry. You've been yeah. it, you've been in it your whole life, right? Did before games were you in it? Did you have you done games since the beginning or since the early nineties? Yeah, and so you, you do agree. There's just a fast kind of oh, cycle sure. here, and then the cycles are quicker than ever. I mean, there used to be, you know, four year cycles, right? And now there's probably two year cycles. But it seems like you've sort of escaped that. Um, I get mostly because we've we've just ignored trends uh, for the most part. If if you if you see a trend then it's probably too late for you to take advantage of that trend anyway. Uh, for us, it was a matter of like coming up with something we saw way, way in advance um, and, and building a business around that uh, rather than saying, oh, Facebook's ga- gaming is big. Let's, let's create a Facebook right. company. Right. That went away. Oh, mobile gaming is big. Let's create a mobile gaming company. Well, mobile gaming is a super hard business and you know, not something that you would want to get into today. So we just sort of say it stayed the course. We do this thing that we do really well. Uh, obviously, you know, now we're on mobile. We didn't used to be on mobile. Um, we, 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 you know, before mobile, we were on tablets. We, 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 you know, taken advantage of some of the trends that are in places where people are playing games, but we've not sort of 
done a, a, may, a pivot where it's like, okay, now that thing we were doing before, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to do this new thing because it's hot and people are really into it. Right. It's sort of like, hey, what do we do? What do we do that works? And uh, we'll just keep doing what works. Gotcha. Well, fun stuff. So if you're going to, if you're going to give some advice to some founder folk out, out in the, out in the audience, what would you, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, generally, um, you know, people come, you know, when I'm talking to an entrepreneur about an idea, they're modeling their idea on something that they're, they're kind of seeing. And if you, if you're seeing something in the marketplace that, uh, is intriguing, then it's probably too late for you. Um, you have to sort of, you know, really take a look at what are, what's converging? What are some things that are happening that will create a trend that, that's two, two years down the road? Because if you're an entrepreneur thinking about starting a company or even starting something with, you know, you and an engineer and a couple of pals, it's going to take you at least a year, up to two years to really get your act together and, and have something that, uh, that's meaningful to even take to investors or to customers or, you know, minimum viable product. So, uh, don't just do what, what, what you think is popular today because you're already too late. So that do you think that's advice that's more applicable in the the B two C space? Yeah, sure. And that's that's been where I my I spent my life as B two C. So I, I'm you know I know a lot more about that space. B two B is is a little bit of a mystery to me. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's funny because I think Seattle is a. I'd probably guess. I mean, maybe maybe this isn't true, but Seattle feels like more of a B two B town to me uh, than it does a B two C town. I think that's what that's been a result of what the uh, the local investors invest in as much as anything else. I think certainly, you know, the the the, the talent here is perfectly uh, capable of coming up with B two C products. But I think a lot of the investment money is much more comfortable with B two B businesses. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think that you know a lot you do see a lot as from a percentage basis, but compared to the valley or somewhere, right? You probably see more more successful B two B companies just because that's that's people see that as a as a um, a more a less risky business to get into or to right. invest in. Yeah, I think I think that's probably it. Yeah, that's probably it. Because but we it's not that we haven't had some great B two C successes in no. Seattle. I mean, we have, but it just feels like on the aggregate, maybe we're more of a B two B town. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's also uh, less there's also less kind of hype around startups. You know, if you're in the valley, then you know people are job hopping to go from company to company to company, just trying to find that hot company where they can you know take advantage of some some big uh, IPO exit or something. But w- what we find here when we talk to potential employees is they're just not that in- excited about you know the equity part. And what they really want to know is about: Will I have health insurance? How long are you guys going to be around? People are really more interested in like job security, uh, a great place to work. Can I bring my dog? Do you have a shower? Because I want to bike to work. Those kind of things are much more meaningful than like, hey, when are you guys going to sell the company and how much stock I can get? And I, I think that's just a different attitude than what you see in, in, in other places. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because it is true that if you rely uh, heavily on equity incentive mm-hmm. uh, for for the employees, they become they become like your investors. They just right. start thinking about, hey, what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of this thing? And at, at some point, you know, it, it becomes obvious. Well, there's, it doesn't look like there's going to be an exit in the next year or so. So what should I what should I do? So they, they end up job hopping if that's really what they're in the, into it for. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, it, I mean, it's just. I mean, I've seen companies run into this trap where they they have a they have a large pool of optionees, and 
the company's just been chugging along and maybe it's flirted a couple times with doing an IPO or an exit, but then nothing occurred. And then the employees get kind of, I mean, options expire after a certain period of time. Right. And then the company's got to confront, you know, how do we re, kind of rejuvenate or rejuvenate that equity incentive plan if it's if 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 a if an exit's not on the near horizon or if I'm gonna have a bunch of options expire and people are gonna be kind of upset. Yeah. And that's I guess that's just that's just life. That's just what how things transpire it's, sometimes. And it's it's part of the maturization of a company. Just, you know, you reach a different phase and, and it becomes uh, less about um, the, the, the stock options and more about lifestyle and, and the work you get to do. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's interesting. Well, I think you're in a really unique spot. I mean, I, I and so I super appreciate you coming on the show to talk nice. about kind of, I mean, how you think about your business and mm-hmm. kind of where you're trying to take it. And and uh, and there's there's an old saying that well, if you if you build something you want to keep, then somewhat that that'll drive the sort of best outcome in all instances. Mm-hmm. If you want to yeah, keep sure. it, a lot of people want it as well. Right. Right. And so. You know, trying to just angle in on an exit or something like that just because seems like just a bad choice. Although it seems it seems like that's what a lot of companies wind up doing. Yeah, if you, I think it's weird. I think it's, you're at cross purposes if you're in it for the money. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I need to provide for my family and I, I want to get paid for what I do. But I think if if you're hyper focused on, um, you know, what can we do to to make the most to sell the company as quickly as possible then uh, i think you're kind of working against yourself you know you're you're not really creating long term value you're you're looking very short term and you're probably looking at you know being very trendy and like trying to come up with like well what what are people buying right now let's let's pivot and go for that and that will that will just drive you and and the rest of the people that work for you crazy trying to keep up with that right mm-hmm. right well it was awesome to have you on the show for right. everyone out there uh check out flowplay.com uh really fun games and uh you know if you'd like uh you can reach out to uh derek i'm sure on derek morton i'm sure on linkedin and he'll he'll reply so i super appreciate you being on the show glad to be here joe it's really fun